Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Hope all of you are having a pleasant day or evening, whenever and wherever you're listening to this inaugural episode of the brand new Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network. This is Shukri Wrights. If you're new and you're watching this for the first time or you're just, you know, checking my, my, my content out for the first time, I am a radio host on 91.5 WMFO in the Boston area. I create Boston Bruins content on Twitter and as well as TikTok as well. And I'm just passionate about sports in general. But most people know me as a guy who is, you know, Bruins-centric. You know, he talks a lot of Bruins hockey and whatnot. But this podcast is here to dispel that notion that he can only talk hockey. I can talk, ba- I can talk basketball. I can talk baseball. I can talk football. In fact... This podcast is all about Boston sports. Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox. All four teams. And the thing that I'm most looking forward to in this podcast is the fact that I get to share with you my burning thoughts and opinions on the day's news. I've never been a guy about the hot take. I've never been about, um, you know, like just trying to be negative or overly positive for no particular reason. For those of you that have been following me, whether if it's on my radio show for the last nearly four years now, or my my original podcast, which I still do here and there, the Sugar Race Podcast, you all know that I've always been one that has been very passionate, very opinionated, and not afraid to speak his mind. And that's going to continue on on this particular podcast. Because if there's one thing that I've noticed about Boston sports fans, they're opinionated, they're intelligent, they're very educated, and on top of that, they absolutely have a knack for showing you and the world at large, for those that hate Boston sports, just how passionate they truly are about their teams. How much they care, it matters in this region. And one of the things that that stood out to me over the last six years I've now called Boston home is that in this market, the scrutiny is intense for the local teams. I, by nature, am not a negative person. I call things as I see it. I'm not overly positive in, when it comes to sports, but I'm not overly negative. I like to describe myself as someone who likes to find the halfway point, like the halfway mark in between everything, because life is a balance. You got to learn to be comfortable with calling everything as you see it as. People are going to like it. People may agree. But you have to be comfortable in accepting the fact that not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody's going to like what you have to say. And that's fine. But the bottom line is, you're going to hear what I have to say. You're going to, you're going to learn that my opinions are not 
rooted based on rooting interest, but rather an understanding that when things need to be talked about, they're going to be talked about. Case in point, John Henry. I can't think of a time, and maybe I'm naive, maybe the older Boston sports fans can educate me on this, I don't know, but I can't think of a time that of an owner in any of the four local teams that is as despised and disliked as much as John Henry is right now of the Boston Red Sox. Ladies and gentlemen, the fall off the popularity meter for John Henry has been rather steep. It has only intensified the last three years. But man, you talk about the Boston sports media that has done, I wouldn't call it a witch hunt, but rather have done some unearthing or some uncomfortable truths. And Red Sox fans better know this than anybody else when it comes to John Henry. John Henry, to me, does not seem to be as invested as he once was. He is so far out of touch that he doesn't recognize when he's being booed or when he's being cheered. Case in point, there was an article in The Athletic in which that John Henry was talking with Jim McCaffrey, Red Sox writer for The Athletic, in which that John Henry said the following that really caught my attention. Here it is. Quote, There is a false narrative surrounding the club. It really took hold in 2022. There were even false reports of booing at Fenway Park during the Winter Classic. I think those factors in losing Xander to San Diego were the biggest factors. Those are the fans you would believe are least likely to try to shout us down. But it happened. Did anyone report the standing ovation at the end? When I saw this particular quote from The Athletic, I don't think my facial reactions, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, really does justice to how I really feel. So I want to just come out and say how I truly feel. John Henry, I know that you don't know who I am from a fly on the wall, and that's fine. But you're going to get to know me really quick, if you haven't already. But I will tell you that I was at Fenway Park for the Winter Classic last month, a glorious event in its own right. I saw with my own eyes, not heard, not heard through a friend, no, I was there. Watching 40,000 plus fans boo you viciously. Boo you viciously because you had just failed to sign a superstar that was homegrown, that was brought up in your organization, and you allowed him to walk and go sign elsewhere in free agency with the San Diego Padres. That's why you were booed. I was there. Red Sox fans have a right to be angry. Red Sox fans have a right to call into question whether if your heart is really into the organization or not. I've heard this a lot from Red Sox fans here in Boston across New England. If you don't care, why not just sell the team? 
I mean, being at Fenway Park, it was pretty clear to me that Red Sox fans have had absolutely enough. They've had, they've had enough of the absenteeism, you're refusing to talk with the media actually in front of cameras, and I'm not counting the, 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 the Winter Festival out in Springfield. I'm not counting that. I'm talking about a press conference in front of the Boston media at Fenway Park whether it's during the off-season or in-season or whatever, and that you actually face the music for the decision that you choose to make. When was the last time you've done that? Oh, that's right. It's been a while. So far back, the last time that I can remember you doing that was shortly after you decided as an organization that you were going to trade Mookie Betts. To the Los Angeles Dodgers. That was the last time that I can remember you sitting at Fenway Park with Tom Werner, Sam Kennedy, and the newly appointed baseball op operations president, Prime Bloom, at Fenway Park facing the music. Does that surprise me that now you? Want to go MIA, you know, show up at, you know, Jeff Blue Park down in Fort Myers and shake hands with the players, but not want to sit in front of the media, like or have a media scrum or anything like that. Does that surprise me? No. Because you got your feelings hurt at Fenway. And as a result, by the way, you turn around and signed. Rafael Devers to the largest contract extension in Red Sox history as a result because of the booing. It wasn't because you felt that Rafael Devers is a cornerstone player, which he obviously is. You did it because you heard the backlash and saw the backlash at Fenway Park. No one gives a damn about the fact that you're a billionaire owner. They care about the fact that you're a wealthy owner, one of the wealthiest owners in baseball, and you have failed repeatedly to invest into your homegrown stars over the last several years. That is a fact. That's why Red Sox fans are absolutely fed up, and rightfully so. It's disgusting if you ask me. Like... I said this on my radio show, the Shuka Red Show on 91.5 FM WMF. I've said this before. You should not be, as a big market team, with the payroll the Red Sox have, have to make a decision whether to keep either Devers or Bogarts. That's ridiculous. You should be able to keep both. Without, without problem, you are the Boston Red Sox. This was a team once upon a time prior to 2020. That spent money. And he did it willingly. But now, you are more cheaper than the Will Ponds who used to own the New York Mets once upon a time. What changed? I don't know. Like, as far as... <laughs> as far as the... The ovation at the end of the game. John Henry, are, like, are you like truly in denial? Or do you like to lie so far out of your ass that you simply needed to make these 
make the crap that you try to feed people look prettier than what it really is. Because as someone who was at the game, and I'm sure countless, if not millions more, who watched at home know that the ovation wasn't for John Henry. Because he sure as hell didn't deserve it. It was for the Boston Bruins who came back in that third period to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-1. That's what that was. So whatever nonsense that you try to come up with just now, <laughs> you are not going to get me to, to drink the Kool-Aid because it ain't happening. And I'm not one who drinks Kool-Aid. Seriously. But I'm one that's going to basically tell you that you're basically bullshitting the, the fan base right now and the people of Boston and New England. And it's unacceptable. Unacceptable. So I don't know whether you feel people in the media or the fans or a bunch of idiots and they're just buying and just accept whatever that you're going to feed them. No. Not I. Not I. So, coming up next on the other side of the break. I want to get into another Red Sox-related topic here. Because I do have one question that I really want to ask you, the viewer and listener. Is this a critical year for Heimbloom? Yes or no? I'm going to give you my thoughts as to why I believe this is a pivotal year in every aspect, shape, and form. Stay tuned, everybody. What's going on, everybody? Hope all of you are having a, a great time enjoying the podcast so far. I'm going to continue talking about the Red Sox and my thoughts on Bloom as it pertains to 2023 spring training. We're now upon a new season for the Boston Red Sox. And as I record this podcast... There were some thoughts that came to mind when I was doing some reading earlier in today's edition of the Boston Globe. This was from Monday, February 20th. Something caught my attention. And I got to tell you exactly what, what I think that is. There was an article that came out in the Boston Globe. It was Jim Davis who wrote the article. Red Sox CEO Sam Kennedy says Chief Baseball Officer Bloom's job is safe. I'm going to read you just the first few excerpts from that article. So bear with me, please. Red Sox President and CEO Sam Kennedy said Monday that, high, that Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom's job is safe. Heim is our Chief Baseball Officer, and I do not anticipate any changes here, Kennedy said. Bloom is in the fourth year of a five-year contract. The Sox hired Bloom away from the Tampa Bay Rays front office in October of 2019. Kimmy did acknowledge that after last year's last race finish in the AL East, the pressure is on for the team to perform more than in years past. Unquote. Newsflash. Is it me or did Heimblum do very little to inspire confidence into the Red Sox fan base in which... Going into 2023, expectations are pretty damn low for this team. 
in this year, I think it's a really pivotal year for Heim Bloom, and there's no if ands, or buts about it. There, there truly isn't. The reason why I think that this year is such a pivotal year for Heim Bloom, especially his tenure as a the Red Sox president of baseball operations, is because Heim Bloom recognizes, and he, or either that or he needs to recognize now very quickly that his actions or inactions do have consequences do have a ripple down effect organization wide when I look at the Red Sox in 2023 I look at them from a from a scope in which that how will they contend or if they will contend in the American League East because we know that the division is pretty daunting as is you got the Yankees you got the Blue Jays you got the Tampa Bay Rays. And by the way, the Baltimore Orioles are not going anywhere. I expect them to be playoff contenders this season. They began their rise to prominence last season. And they got a very likable young core of players down in Baltimore. This year will be very interesting. Now the Red Sox, as far as I'm concerned... People are really banking on what Rafael Devers will be able to do in 2023. Because, let's face it, he is going to be the focal point of that offense. J.D. Martinez, gone. Xander Bogarts, gone. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if we're, if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves, outside of Rafael Devers, what can you realistically expect? Kike Hernandez does not inspire much confidence, even as a baseball fan. And I'm not a Red Sox fan, but even as a baseball fan, he doesn't inspire much confidence that he will be able to perform at a high level consistently throughout the season. I mean, that's his call of spade to spade. But I will give him credit, though. I will give Heimblum credit for one thing and one thing only. He finally got himself a closer, a legitimate closer at that, in Kenley Jansen. Congratulations. Where was this? Where where was this um last year? This is a pivotal year because in in the American League East that is going to be jammed packed with contenders. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Boston Red Sox in terms of their ability to contend. Hell, you want to look at the American League East as a whole? By all means. I'll tell you what. Seattle is not going anywhere. They got even better. They added to their offense during the offseason. They made the trade for Tiasca Hernandez, who's a Seattle Mariner now. I expect Seattle to be back in playoff contention again this year after making the postseason last season. I expect the White Sox to be the cream of the crop in the American East Central. That's fair. And the ALS, you know the Ashes are going to be there. So, where do the Red Sox fall in the grand scheme of things? 
if you look at what the Red Sox have done, I don't feel confident in terms of the Red Sox being able to maintain the position as playoff contenders in the American League. I'm not even talking about the American League. I'm talking about the American League as a whole. Adam Duvall is an interesting signing that the Red Sox did during the offseason. I, 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 will, I will admit. But what he will do offensively at Fenway Park, that remains to be seen. That's a whole other show for another time instead of trying to prognosticate what each Red Sox player will do or not do offensively. But then you look at the pitching staff. There's more question marks than you have answers. Chris Sale, what can you realistically expect out of him? James Paxton, what can you realistically expect out of him? Because those are two left-handed pitchers. When healthy, they obviously have electric stuff. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I'll give them that. However, the problem is neither one of them has been healthy, most notably Chris Sale. It's almost as if that you are waiting to see what injury will it be this time around that Chris that knocks out Chris Sale for several months at a time. Will it be riding a bike and falling off the bike? Or will it be trying to run down after the tee in Boston and tripping over some sort of third rail or something like that. I mean, you, you tell me. I mean, I'm not trying to poke fun of the guy, but let's be honest. We all know that this man is, has been a walking injury waiting to happen. So, as far as the pitching is concerned, question mark after question mark after question mark. So if we're going to look at this Red Sox team going into 2023, a look at Heim Bloom. He's in a fourth year of a five-year deal. If the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, I do think that this could be Heim Bloom's final year. If they have another last place finish, I think he's gone. Because Heim Bloom has been the perfect puppet for John Henry's unwillingness to spend money on homegrown talent. That's been proven over and over and over again. The only exception was Rafael Devers. But it should have come to the point where he faces the music at Fenway Park at the Winter Classic for him to realize, you know what, I better get my collective marbles together and re-sign Rafael Devers to a long-term extension. It should have came to that. But it did. So, yeah. You can bet you're behind. This is a critical year for Heim Bloom. In the way that he's got this roster currently constructed, I don't have a whole lot of faith. I don't have a whole lot of expectation for this team anyway. This team can only go up, but it's very possible that this year's Red Sox team could be even worse than what they were last year. And that's scary. Because, again, there are no sure sureness in terms of the pitching rotation. None. Kenny Jansen is the one sure thing that he's going to give you year in and year out. He's going to convert a high percentage amount of saves for your team. He did it with the Dodgers. He did it with the Braves. And I'm pretty confident in saying that he's going to do it with the Red Sox as well. So I'm not worried about that. But man, starting rotation, they got some serious question marks. They do. I mean, what are you going to get from Brian Bale? I mean, he's still young. 
I like his stuff. But as far as what he will do in 2023, especially after an offseason which he worked with Pedro Martinez, the Hall of Famer, down in the Dominican Republic, would it translate into him taking a next step in 2023? That There's a lot of what-ifs. So Bloom is banking on a lot of what-ifs coming to fruition. And he better hope that a lot of these what-ifs turn into ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> Money because he is asking to be bankrupt out of a job if the Red Sox fail to make the postseason and finish the last place again. But that's where we are now. So I do have one more topic I want to get into. I want to touch on the the Boston Bruins here. And I want to sprinkle in some Celtics talk towards the end. But one more big topic I want to talk about, the Boston Bruins. Because the, the Bruins, they won again today. <laughs> Ho-hum, stop me if you heard that before. But I got some new thoughts that just come to mind as it pertains to this team. As we're now two weeks away from the NHL trade deadline. That and much more. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. Because I got more coming your way. Hope you're enjoying the inaugural episode of Believe in the Hub of Champions with your host Shukri Rights on Believe Network, iHeartRadio, as well as you can watch the podcast on YouTube as well. It's been phenomenal so far to, to do this podcast. And I'm here to be sitting here in front of you, in front of a camera, with my radio mic talking about Boston sports. Because Boston fans are the best fans in the country. By far. Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox. Even through the tough times, I've seen the fans here even show up for when the teams are not doing well. I saw it firsthand in 2015. My first ever game at um, Fenway Park, Royals-Red Sox, was August of 2015. Red Sox are in last place on a Friday night. It was the first game of a three-game series against the eventual World Series champion Royals. That ballpark was still to the rim. And that told me a lot about Boston sports fans. A lot. They'll show up and they will show out no matter what's going on or how the team is doing. But I will tell you this. <laughs> the one team that has been doing a lot of showing out, though, the Boston Bruins. They're now 43-8-5 after their 3-1 win over the Ottawa Senators on Monday afternoon at TD Garden, and it was uh, it was quite a game to say the least. I mean, Jake DeBrusque. I mean, what more can you honestly say about Jake DeBrusque at this point? And the reason why I say that is because I remember last season, and I'll be the first to admit this: last season I wanted him traded, I wanted him gone. I just thought that his attitude, his demeanor. And his aura was just negative surrounding the team. And I thought that perhaps that he may have played his way out of Boston and that he was better off getting a fresh start somewhere else. But then when Bruce Cassie was fired, 
DeBrusque simply wanted to, to stay, and I'm not here to make a big deal out of it, but, I'm, but it's leading up to a bigger point that I'm about to make. DeBrusque has been one of the major reasons why the Boston Bruins are the best team in hockey, playing on that top line with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. I don't think it is an understatement to say that DeBrusque's absence hurt the Bruins when they were without um, Jake DeBrusque for 17 games. I don't think it's a far-fetched statement to even make. They miss his energy. They miss his offensive production. Hell, when he scored the opening goal and make it one nothing, seventh goal in his last eight games that he played in. What did I tell you? The guy is an absolute beast, and he's found his game playing on that top line with, with Bergeron and Marchand. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm not sure if you can hear it, but the dog is barking outside, and he's been playing like that dog. Like, DeBrus has had that dog in him all season long. That is Jake DeBrus. So when you see him score and he, you see him celebrate, it's like, that guy's got that dog in him. You want to know who else has got that dog in him? Linus Olmark. I mean, Linus Olmark with another virtuoso performance. At this point, I think it's fair to say he's going to win the, the Vesna Trophy at season's end. Hopefully, it's after a Stanley Cup championship come June hopefully I'm hoping that is in fact the best case um, best case scenario but what I will say is this the real story in this game although it was it was not Jake DeBrusque it was not Linus Olmark it was David Pasternak he scored two goals he now has 41 goals in a season and I have been consistent about this on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Shukri Writes, in which that I've been posting this clip that's got Matt Damon in it, and this guy says, pay him. Pay that man his money. <laughs> like, that's basically what it is, because every goal that he scores... That contract gets more and more expensive. By the way, I think we can all agree Pasternak is going to score 50 goals this season. I'm calling it. He's going to score 50 goals this season at this current rate. So, the question becomes, what would his contract look like? Because you don't want to let a 50-goal scorer like Pasternak who already has scored 48 goals once in his career, get away in free agency. 50-goal scorers do not grow on trees. The Washington Capitals have had a 50-goal scorer. Some guy you may have heard of, you know, of, you know, Alice Rovechkin, for example. They've had him now since the 2005-2006 season. They never, they never allowed him to walk out that door in Washington. David Pasternak once is a 50-goal scorer. He has the skill to be a 50-goal scorer. I don't think that's hyperbole. I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's a fact. And I do wonder 
When is that contract going to get done? Because I don't want it to get done bef- like by the time we get to free agency after the season concludes, whenever that season ends for the Boston Bruins. If I'm the Bruins, I want it to get done now, like, ahead of the trade deadline. Because I'm not saying that if they don't have a new contract for Pasep to trade them. Hell no. For the people who even suggesting that, do me a favor and kick yourself in the ass, please. Please. Just do me that one favor. Because it's not going to happen. But what I will say is this. You don't let him flirt with other teams. Especially when you have such a, a special talent like David Pasenak. Yes, I'm aware that he has defensive deficiencies. He does. If you don't think he does... I got news for you. I got a farm to sell you that's that's all out in Western Mass, out in Munson, for, for God's sakes. Despite of his deficiency defensively, the man can score. And you need that. You absolutely need that long term. Because you already got two stud defensemen locked up long term in Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. They're locked up long term. They're not going anywhere. You need a, a possum like lined, like locked up and lined up for the next eight years. Because he's only going to get better. You don't let him go out flirting. Flirting out there in the marketplace. Now imagine the following. You've been in a long-term relationship with your, with your partner. Let's say the last six years. And you know that that time has arrived. For you to make the decision, hey, when are you going to propose? Hey, are you going to get married? Because I'm going to tell you this, that partner is going to start looking, it's going to start wandering elsewhere. They may find something on someone else better out there and end up leaving you in the dust because you wouldn't commit. That's David Pasenak right now. You don't let him get anywhere near free agency. Because guess what? He becomes that raw piece of meat that all the Lions are going to pounce on. That is the reality surrounding David Pasenak and the Boston Bruins right now. If you are the Boston Bruins, you need to lock up this guy before the playoffs even begin, announce a deal. Like, continue to work through the details of the contract extension. I've heard various reports from Elliot Freeman, you know, listening to the 32 Thoughts um, podcast on courtesy of Sportsnet, that they are working through and making progress on a contract extension for Pasenak. But they're moving too slow for my liking. But that's just me, selfishly speaking. But what do I know? <laughs> so... So Don Sweeney, please like him up soon and also continue to make those calls on Jacob Chitron, Luke Shin, or the Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman um, Gabrikov. But I would rather go for Chitron because he's got term, 24 years old, got two more years in, on that contract. That's who I would rather get. But you need to add a defenseman for depth purposes. 
That's your number one priority. You're all set in goaltending. You're all set with terms of your forward group. You're, we're all four lines. You don't need to do any. You don't need to get a forward. But you definitely need to get that seventh defenseman. I don't know who that is. Or, or maybe an upgrade. But, well, who would, who would you rather trade? If you were able to get Jake on, on Chaturin and whatnot. Probably if I mispronounce his name. Personally, you got to include a Mike Riley in this deal. Or a Craig Smith. Or maybe both. A salary dump in this case. But they are going to be asking for a really good player. I'm talking about the, the Arizona Coyotes, that is. And I, I'm not willing to give up or trade away Grizzlick or Jacob DeBrusque. But I'm going to put myself in the hot seat right now. If the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes comes and says, we're willing to trade you Jacob Chitron. But you got to be willing to give up a really good player, a young player at that. Who are you giving up? And as well as a prospect. This is what I would do. I'm willing, in all honesty, I'm willing to move on from a player like Trent Frederick, for example. I'm willing to move on from a, a Mason Lowry. And you got to include a first round draft pick as well. But that's just me. That's just me. That's hypothetically speaking. But you got to be you got to be willing to give up something for a bigger game. I'm not willing to trade Jake on Jake DeBrusque. I love Trent Frederick, but I think he should, he he should be included in that deal if it came to that point. And Frederick is having one, one hell of a year. And I, I like the guy a lot. But if the Boston Bruins don't make that deal, I'm okay. But if it came to that point where Arizona said, we're only willing to make a deal with the Boston Bruins, you, gotta be, you have to be willing to give up someone. And that someone for me is Trent Frederick. And that's my, that is my Boston Bruins thought right there. And we're two weeks away from the trade deadline. But that's why this is such a fun time because we have a lot of different moving parts, different rumors, and different reports that are basically com coming out with more frequency as we get closer to the NHL trade deadline. That's where we are. <laughs> we got one more thing I want to touch on before I wrap up the podcast. Coming up next, just some quick thoughts on Jason Tatum's 55 points. Performance in the All-Star Game. And just some quick um, Boston Celtics thoughts as well. This is the inaugural episode of Believe in Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network with your host, Shukri Wrights. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope all of you are enjoying the podcast. So far, the first episode of the Believe in Hubs Hub of Champions um, podcast on Believe Network. One last topic I want to touch on before I run up the episode, and that is Jason Tatum, 55 points, all-star game, record. I mean, my goodness, what a performance. I mean, he was just outstanding, and, uh, and he won the all-star game MVP as a result. I mean, outstanding for... A 24-year-old budding superstar who 
continues to show why he is a legitimate MVP candidate this season in the NBA. But I, I do wonder this one thing, though. In the grand scheme of things, what, what does this performance really mean? Does it really mean much of anything to anybody? Especially if you're a Celtics fan? My answer to that is yes, it does. It does mean something. Why? Because I believe that the NBA Finals was, was a growing experience for Jason Tatum last year. He took that pain of losing the finals into this season. And he stepped up so far in a big way. Despite me complaining and groaning about the turnovers late in games at one point about a month or so ago. Now, you're seeing a guy who understands that he can and he has to perform on the big stage. The big stage, the all-star game is won. Now, I want to see him do it in the, in the playoffs in the NBA Finals, if this team is truly to make another Finals run again this season. And so far, all indicators have shown that he is ready to take that step. Him and, him and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had a pretty damn good game himself. Let's not forget about him. But man, Jalen Brown is another star in his own right. We all know that. Tatum and Brown is the best young duo in the NBA, and it's not even close. But I will tell you this, though. I think it's really interesting that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two players that, when they're firing on all cylinders, it is very difficult to, be, to stop both of them. Very and I think, for me, I admire Jalen Brown's game even more than I do Jason Tatum's because I feel like Jalen Brown is a, is a much more better defender than Jason Tatum. He's shown that time and time again. Like, Jason Tatum, don't get me wrong, I, do I think he's a terrible defender? He's not terrible, but he isn't great. But if you had to make a choice between who's a better defender on the Celtics right now between Tatum and Brown, between those two, because we obviously know that Marcus Smart is the best defensive point guard in the NBA. He's a reading defensive player again. That we know. But we're talking about between Tatum and Brown. Who's the better defender between the two? Jalen Brown, 100%. I think that matters, especially when you get to the playoffs and defense is going to matter when you need to get key stops at key pivotal moments in games. That's why I am a big believer that if you are the Boston Celtics, especially if you're a Celtics fan, you really had to have liked what you saw in the All-Star game between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown offensively, but especially from Tatum's perspective. The whole world was watching. The whole NBA world was watching. And did Tatum ever put on a performance? <laughs> Look forward to that and more of that in the coming weeks and hopefully months going into June. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the inaugural episode of Believe in Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network. Shukri writes saying, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Talk to you again next episode. Can't wait. This journey is just getting started. Time to shake things up in the city of Boston in terms of Boston sports media one episode at a time. 
Holla at your boy. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.